Good evening. Today is Wednesday, June 14th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week, we are studying the appendix to spiritual experience, and our speaker tonight is Katie G. Thank you so much, Katie. Hi, everyone. Good evening. This is Katie G, and I am sorry, I'm just setting my timer. I am recovered from compulsive eating. Uh, exercise bulimia. Um, yeah, so I'm just really grateful to be here tonight. Um, thank you for this meeting. It's, um, and thank you for the privilege of, of speaking. Um, just to qualify really quick, in my adult life, I've been 228 pounds, but I've also been 110 pounds. So I'm an equal opportunity addict. But that was just the symptom, right? Like my story is that before I used any substance, you know, I felt that hole in the soul and I felt uncomfortable in my own skin. And I felt like I was, I should be somebody else doing something else with some other people at some other time. And I became a please love me aholic, which is I would you know, as I got older, I would buy things I don't want for people I don't like so that they would love me. I filled that hole with food. Those were my earliest memories. And that just progressed over the years. Um, and, you know, the weight was just a symptom of that deeper call for God. And I, um, I was raised in a, in a religion um, that didn't work for my family um, because my family had some diversity going on. And um, so I got really angry at the church. I've come to find out it wasn't the church's problem. It was actually me, right? Because um, I was disregarding the trees, um, the ugly, I was saying the forest was really ugly, even though we were really just talking about some trees. So I'm just going to fast forward because 20 minutes isn't very much time. And this is such a juicy um, uh, talk or reading. So when I first came into Overeaters Anonymous, I heard a lot of people talking about a couple of things, right? Like ketchup and God. And I didn't understand how ketchup could be related to God. But I knew that it sounded absolutely crazy that I would have to put down ketchup and it also, I wasn't really open to the topic of God. God had, you know, rejected my family and, um, and I just, I wasn't interested. Um, fast forward, what really happened to me with God is that my disease got so bad that I knew that everything I was doing was not working. Binging, purging, exercise, bulimia laxatives, Ipecac, the scale, um, diets, exercise. I couldn't put those things down, right? I had that allergy of the body where for me, um, when I crave something, that craving actually doesn't start until after I use the substance. So my husband will crave chocolate chips. When he has the chocolate chips, his craving is fulfilled. For me, I will, you know, put chocolate chips or bulimia or the scale into my body. And that's where the craving begins. And that's the difference between me. 
But on a deeper level, it was like this yearning for God, right? Like this hole in my soul, that little girl who felt uncomfortable in my own skin. You know, I remember being at a sleepover and I remember talking to one of the moms and saying to her, I have fire down my legs. And that was just my anxiety, you know, like from a, from a very young kid, I just was so anxious. So anyway, fast forward, um, I came into the rooms and all I knew was that what I was doing wasn't working. And I did a lot of acting as if. So people in recovery said, thank you, God, a lot. And um, I had started to explore Buddhism and that really um, kind of got me feeling okay about saying, thank you, God. And I just started saying it as a gratitude, as if I fully believed it, because all I knew was that I was destroying my life. I couldn't have relationships. I couldn't maintain a weight. Um, I mean, I was very, very lonely. Like even my family wasn't um, a viable option. And, you know, I didn't have people skills. I made a lot of enemies in the rooms of OA. I made, I, you know, tore through sponsors um, because everyone and everything became my God. Um, and so, um, you know, what I love about this chapter, um, spiritual experiences, I just want to clarify, and this is really helpful for me to know that spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are different. So I've never had a spiritual awakening. A spiritual awakening is when like, boom, you know, the burning bush is there and like you're on fire and, you know, I've never had that and that's okay. Um, because we all get to have different experiences with God. Like, I'll tell you, I first started to really experience God when I would call someone and I would be desperate and I would be in pain because of feelings. And I didn't know how to have my feelings and I wasn't eating and I didn't have God and I didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden I would talk to a stranger and she like spoke the language of the heart, right? She, she somehow spoke to me as if we had been kindred spirits for years. And I just knew, I just knew there was a God or another place that I really connect to God is the ocean. I get the privilege of living near the ocean. And, and when I walk to the ocean and I walk by the ocean, you know, there's been so many storms recently and the ocean comes in and then it pulls the rocks out and like, <clears throat> there has to be something bigger than me because if there isn't, you know, then how are the, how are the waves being conducted? And, you know, again, I, I didn't know how to believe in God, but I knew what I was, what I was doing wasn't working. And I, I always had some sort of belief in God. I just really thought I had to perform for God. And I thought like I would get a spiritual awakening if I was just a good enough little girl, right? Like if I was the thinnest girl in the room and I just, it was this performative God. And when you're performing for God, it is so exhausting. You know, like I'm a stay at home mom. When I have days that I'm performing for God, like, because I'm human, I may be recovered, but I'm, I'm still messed up. Like, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but like, I still make mistakes. And, you know, when I'm not really seeking God, when I'm not living in God reliance, you know, I'm chasing him 
with perfectionism and control, right? So anyway, so spiritual um, (coughs) awakening is what has happened to me over the years. It's this slowly waking up, this ocean that I could see, this silver lining when horrific things would happen, you know, like life has gotten lifey in my life. Um, you know, I, I dated a lot of men and, and experienced severe rejection. Um, I had your average traumatic childhood, you know, and I had to reconcile how a God of my understanding could, could know a world that is so horrific. Like I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it really is hard. There are miscarriages. And for me, like I've been barren in my life. I've watched babies die. Like, but the thing is for me, I really came to understand. And this was my waking up over a period of time. Like I live in a fallen world. And just like, you know, when I, I have two little girls and, um, that is a whole nother, like miracle, a miraculous demonstration that God is in my life that I have children. Right. And I know when they fall, when they're in pain, it literally guts me. And that's who my God is today. Like, I don't think that God is up there saying, well, you know what, Katie, you took 20 minutes of quiet time today. So I am going to punish you today. Yeah. uh You're going to have a bad day. That doesn't work for me. But what works for me is this concept, this idea that there is this parent, this creator, this redeemer, this sustainer who I have woken up to. Because what I know is the more I have admitted powerlessness and unmanageability in my life, God has given me what I need to get through what I must, right? Like God has given me the energy to eat my weight and measure meals on days that my husband threatened a divorce on days that my lung collapsed, right? On days that for me, like I had every reason, every excuse in the book not to remain abstinent, right? When they were, when they were telling me, you know, you really ought to be dead because of your weight. Can we put a chest tube in your lungs? These are horrific things. And somehow God gave me what I needed to get through what I must. And so if you're sitting there saying, but Katie, I still don't believe like spiritual awakening, man, spiritual awakening. um, You know, it says that we emphatically wish to say that any compulsive eater capable of honestly facing my problem, right? So what is my problem? Lack of power. That is my dilemma, right? Almost nobody likes the self-searching, the leveling of my pride, the confession of shortcomings, that this process requires, <laughs> I'm so sorry, it's very dry in my house, that this process requires mandates for its successful consummation. So I need to honestly look at, you know, food is not my problem. Food is the symptom that I've always used for my problem and selfishness, self-centeredness, that is the root of my problem. And if again, you're sitting here and saying, hey, I don't have selfishness, I hate myself. That is what selfishness is. It's sitting in a room and saying, oh my God, I'm so fat. Oh my God, I don't look good. Like, you know, and not realizing that the fact that I'm breathing, the fact that, like, do you know anatomy and physiology? Like, I'm telling you, like, call me. We can geek out on the human body. Like, 
the things that the human body can do, like the lungs expand and they contract and I breathe in and I breathe out and my body takes care of me. It, it, um, it, it expectorates when I have things in my mouth, like how on earth does the anatomy and the physiology of this world work except to know God that is bigger than me, right? And so for me, the biggest barriers was honestly saying, okay, I give up. I give up. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue anymore. And the only thing that's ever stopped me from arguing is arguing. I am a hard-headed addict. I don't want to give up. The A 12 and 12 says, who cares to admit complete defeat? Practically no one, of course, right? Like, okay, you can have the food stuff, God, but I'm going to fix, manage, and control my life because here's what's going to happen, God. You know, you've gotten me absent, God, but I need a husband and I need, a, I need children and I need a house and I need a job, right? <laughs> but it says spiritual progress, not life progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than life progress, right? And I thought that God was in the life progress. And that's how I've gotten sick in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous because I'm like, check, husband, check, kids, you know, check, thin body, check, check, check. Okay, I must be happy now, but I'm not because I wasn't seeking God. And the best line of spiritual experience kicked my butt and was the one thing that helped this rebellious girl get to God, which says there is a principle, which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments and when not, which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. And you want to insult me, call me ignorant. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. So disdain being the, I know guy, like, are you joking? Like when I first heard Overeaters Anonymous, I was like, peace out, y'all. I'm going to like, I'm going to the sexy club. Like, I don't want to be a member of Overeaters Anonymous. I, you know, like, and then I was like, let me just come in and get thin, right? Let me just use your diet. Let me just like get to the front of the room. Let me just get to 90 days, 90 meeting in 90 days. I'll take my badge and I'll go home, right? And what I didn't realize again is that little girl that had a hole in the soul, I can't fill it, right? Like, even if you tell me, like, if you sat there, if my friend, my good friend sat there and said, Katie, you're beautiful. You're amazing. You're God's girl. 10 seconds later, I'd be like, well, why didn't you say I was incredible? Why didn't you say I was gorgeous? And the way to get rid of that hungry little girl inside of me is God. But I got to seek God, right? I got to be honest. First of all, I have this, I have this problem and I can't hide. I hid in the rooms of OA in exercise bulimia. I thought that it would never hurt me. I thought, you know, I can still have a God, but if I'm engaged in exercise bulimia, exercise is my God. And here's what happens. When I put down exercise, I wanted to die because I had no God. And now today, thanks be to God, because of the steps, you know, the steps have, have get, gotten rid of this I know God. And now I would rather say, hey, you know what? I don't know. 
you know, this God of my no understanding, you know, like I have benefited from all religions. I'm spiritual and I'm religious. You know, for me, that line of I'm spiritual, not religious for me, that kept me in anger towards religions. My book tells me be quick to see where religious people are right. Not about politics, not about politics, KDG. It says, be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. And so spirituality is just my personal connection with God. And my my religion is what I choose to do with a community of people. OA is my religion. Christianity is my religion. Buddhism is my religion. And I just want you to know, like, willingness you know, the willingness to do what a sponsor asks me to do every day. I get up, I get on my knees. I ask God for um, an abstinent and sober day. Honesty, you know, am I biting, licking and tasting around the food? Am I just phoning it in today? Am I really surrendering? Am I really, am I really treating this as the number one priority? I will tell you this I have a disease that is in my body. It is not in the parking lot doing push-ups. It is inside of me. And over any period of time, it is getting worse, never better. And I saw that. I saw that in the doctor who said she would not perform surgery on me because I would flatline on the table because of the 15 pounds that I lost through exercise bulimia. And today I know I did the hospitalization period with my step work, thanks be to God. And somehow this program is the most important thing in my life because without my relationship with God, I will die. I will die. So if you're sitting there and you're in in intolerance or the God thing makes you uncomfortable, call it Buddha, call it Allah, call it like lack of power is my dilemma. And so if I lack power, there's something bigger than me. Like, you know, if you think you're powerful, tell like, like really ask yourself, what makes the ocean come in and out? How is the sun? Like, I'm not telling the sun to rise and set, contrary to popular belief. And this God, this loving God loves me so much today that he's picked up a girl like me who felt uncomfortable in my own skin who used food, but also used this, had this like constant fear of being fat, this feeling that if I were fat, I would never be okay. And now I can tell you, I'm okay in my own skin. I'm okay if you like me. I'm okay if you don't like me because I'm God's girl and I have a way of living today. Love and tolerance of others is my code. And I continue to grow and change because I have a God that loves me so much. He shows me where I'm wrong. He shows me where I need to work on being a better wife, being a better mom. And all of this I'm having to say to you is God consciousness. Like I could go on about the miracles. I have a relationship with my husband today. That's playful. That's fun. I'm with my kids more than I exercise. I have friends. I have people out of the Zoom rooms. I've gotten off my phone calls in Overeaters Anonymous, and I've actually joined the world. And I'm not saying the world isn't OA, but it was very easy for me to hide in the rooms of OA. 
and only do OA. And I have found an amazing church community that unifies us for all the beautiful colors of the rainbow that we are and, and accepts and loves and has principles that I get to teach my God, my kids about. I get to say to my kids, no, you know, God doesn't want us doing fake gun, gun noises. God doesn't want us like slapping each other upside the head. I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old, please forgive me. And all of this, like I'm telling you like 16 years ago, and I'll wrap with this 16 years ago, when I came into the rooms, I had fire in my legs and I had an empty soul. And today, because of all of you, I am learning a day at a time how to grow up and I'm continuing to be blessed with God consciousness. And I'm continuing to learn from all my spirituality that I get to do and from all the religions that teach me. So thank you for the privilege of sharing. And um, I'm just so grateful to do it with you today. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Katie G, for that heartfelt share and for your powerful message of transformation. I'm so grateful that I got to hear it tonight. And uh, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under the reactions, or if you're on the phone, hit star nine, and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. And with the timekeeper, Leslie, please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up. And then if the speaker's asked a question, Please allow three minutes for the answer. And then it says leader calls the names in order and the Zoom host clicks on mute. Okay, Rachel K is up. Not on mute. Hi, um, thanks, uh, Sherry. Hi, I'm Rachel K, uh, compulsive overeater. Katie, thank you so much. That was absolutely amazing um yeah love your take on the chapter love you i mean have learned so much from you and yeah i love what you said about you know just being desperate being desperate for god you know in whatever form like what i'm doing isn't working that, that's you know when i finally recovered it's like yeah what i'm doing isn't working you know what do you got and the people, when you talked about, you know, the, the, you heard people say, thank you, God. And so you said, thank you, God, you know, and I believed in God uh, when I came to this program. I just, I didn't understand why he wasn't helping me. And I realized like, I, I was saying, you know, I was treating him like a Santa Claus God and talking about being comfortable in your own skin. You know, when everybody talked about, you know, would say, oh, you've got to love yourself. You've got to love yourself. And it never, and, and if that works for you, fine, but it never really worked for me. But what does work for me is it doesn't matter what you think of me. It doesn't matter what I think of me. It matters what God thinks of me. And because, because like I decided in the steps, I decided to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him. And what I believe of God is that 
like he loves me. He loves me so much. And so if God really loves me and I've decided to, you know, do my best to, to do what I think God would have me do and, and be as godlike as I can. Okay. So that means God loves me. That means I have to treat myself with love, right? Because I've decided, so it doesn't matter if, if I like me or I love me, God loves me, which means I need to treat myself like somebody I love. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but, um, but anyway, so thank you so much for your share. Um, it's just really great to be here. And I pass. Thanks, Rachel. And Justine is up next, followed by Michelle. Go ahead, Justine. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. I'm Justine, compulsive reader. Uh, Believe me, Katie. Thank you so much. I appreciate hearing that. Uh, I love hearing your shares. Thank you. Um, just back from relapse uh, for a few days. I'm glad and grateful. Um, here's my question for you, Katie. When you said um, something like, "When I can't get to God, I chase Him with perfectionism and control," or "When I can't feel God, I chase Him with perfectionism and control." I relate to that one million percent. Can you describe how, I mean, I can, I can imagine, but what you would say, I do that too, and it really hurts and it creates problems. Um, what would you suggest? I mean, what, how did you get from that to relief from that? Thank you. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Yeah, I mean, so a lot of it is like 10 and 11. Um, you know, coming back from exercise bulimia, I really had to focus on the withdrawal from, from that, from, from get, like getting abstinent and getting through the steps. And now because I have that baseline, you know, cause I'm not withdrawing from all of that. I have a lot of access to, um, I mean, if you're my step 10, one of my step 10 people, you know, I'm not perfect. Right. But I can pause more, right? Like, so by the time we get to step 12, right, we've had a spiritual awakening and then we're set up, you know, night, morning, the big book babysits me the whole time, right? And if I follow its instruction, then I can be like, oh, I feel control, you know, and I give a step 10 and I'm like, oh, okay. So inflexibility and intolerance and control is coming up. And I have to tell you, just like the cyclical nature of those steps, keeps bringing me closer. And I, um, I really, this last time I did a really great six and seven in OA, the Overeaters Anonymous book. Like if you don't have it, uh, get it because six and seven in the Overeaters Anonymous book, it really taught me and helped me hone in what are my character defects so that in every step 10, I can see I'm intolerant or I'm inflexible. So I just, the best thing I can say is just get through the steps and just keep going. Welcome home. Thank you, Justine, and thanks, Katie, for the answer. Michelle's up next. I don't know. Can everybody hear me? Yes, you can be heard. Okay, because my my screen is frozen. Um, 
so um, it's it's kind of weird my picture is has jumbled everybody's <laughs> everybody's pictures like i'm i'm now sherry m on my screen which is really weird um but uh michelle p here recovery compulsive overeater from rhode island and thank you katie so much for that um i love you loved hearing you i'm so glad that i got to be here and I really related to what you said about um, you haven't had a spiritual awakening, um, but you've had spiritual experiences because you didn't have this bright light experience. Um, and that is my story too. Every once in a while I have a bright light experience, um, but it's been mostly of the um, learning variety over the past years. And um, I also loved how you talked about so much hearing um, God through others um, because I so, so do. I'm always amazed when I'm having a conversation with someone that I hear exactly what I needed to hear. Like for me, there's no coincidences. It's literally the person says exactly what was disturbing me maybe the day before or exactly what I was hearing in my meditation that morning. It's pretty amazing. And it's just, just goes to show you how the, this program, what this program tells us to do is exactly just what we need to do. Um, it works. It really does. So I, I'm just, yeah, thank you. I loved, I loved all that you shared. I love that I get to um, do step tens with um, fellows. Again, another way that I hear God. Um, and, and sometimes it's even just in um, my devotionals. So like uh, I'll be quiet and have a problem going on in life and, you know, giving it to God. And then next, you know, I get this intuition to, read a particular devotional and I'll pick it up and it's literally talking about exactly what I'm experiencing. So again, is it odd? Is it God? Um, for me, it's definitely God. And um, yeah, and I also love what you said, you just had to be open for it um, and no contempt prior to investigation. And I sat in that contempt for a very long time. So thank you again and I pass. Thanks, Michelle. I'm going to take a turn. Hi, I'm Sherry. And I'm a compulsive overeater. I really loved your message and what a what a gift to um, you know the surprise of hearing that you were speaking. I really really appreciate hearing about the transformation and also about how deadly and um, not never to forget how deadly and cunning and baffling and powerful this disease is in the rooms and outside of the rooms. But thank God we're in the rooms. That's what I was thinking. And I also have had the experiential type of, of um, you know, it's almost like if I'm looking for it all day long, I could write down 10 miracles that happened today by being present and aware. And I'm so grateful. And I'm recently going through this workshop and we're on step two. And um, one of the questions was, what do you believe? Because we're on step two, what do you believe? So I wrote out what I believe and it's exactly actually verbatim what you believe, Katie, it really is. It's just the beautiful da da da. But then that next question is, how are you behaving in light of what you believe? And oh my God, okay. So here's my unmanageability now. It's like bringing me back to step one. 
I do not trust my four-year-old dog with God. I don't believe that God is going to protect her. And this fear that even though I've done a million tenth steps on it for four, you know, the whole time I've been in program every day. And I, I used to have a sponsor who would say, that's God's pup, puppy. That's not your puppy. That's God's puppy. I got to tell you, as much as I would swear, I mean, if I took a lie detector of how much I believe God is in charge of everything, I would pass that because I believe it. But yet when I take my dog out for a walk and there's other dogs off leash, my first instinct is she's going to get mauled. And then I run back in the house and I'm doing, you know, all this like micromanaging. And this may sound so silly to people, but she's my dog. I don't have kids. This is my kid. So I can only imagine if I had kids, but the pay, I mean, it's like, it is so deep for me and visceral and sure based in PTSD and all of that kind of stuff. But I, it is my job to make sure that her, that she stays the way she is, which is the sweetest loving dog that I have you know, brought her up to be. And if, if anything happens to her, if any dog bites her, then I just know she's going to change. And then how will I live with that? And of course it's all selfish, right? At the end of the day, like, um, you know, and so anyway, so I'm really grateful that I'm doing this workshop and that I can expose this stuff. You know, this stuff is not a one and done. This is a day. Every day is a day where I get to transform my ideas and thoughts. It's circular. These are not 12 steps up and then I'm on a landing somewhere. This is up, down, around, sideways. God is everywhere. God is in everything. I call him God because, well, actually lately I've been using life force and I will wrap up with that. My life force, I know will take care of my dog. And I just wanted to say that. Thank you so much. Nancy is next and then followed by Amy. But right now I just noticed the time and we're going to stop the recording first and then 